And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is October the 3rd. And... Hmm... The 276th day of the year. 89 days remain till this year is over with. And holidays and observances. It is Mean Girls Day. National Boyfriend Day. Bookeron Battle Victory Day. That took place in Paraguay. By British Day. Don't forget the tea. Franco Marazan's Day. One of the most memorable figures of the 20th century. Um, Honduras. Uh, as I say, Francisco Marazan's uh, birthday. Iraq, Independence Day. National Fruit at Work Day. And I don't mean the guy at the next desk. National Kevin Day. National Techies Day. Tag the Deutsche Einheit. National Unity Day. National Wide Awake Day. Well, in 2457 BC, Kech Hion Hion Hwanung reportedly descended from heaven. That's South Korea's National Foundation Day. 52 BC in the Gaelic Wars, Dresden Gertrox, the leader of the Gauls, surrenders to the Romans under. Julius Caesar, ending the siege and battle of Elysia. 42 B.C., Liberator Civil War. Triumvirs Mark Anthony and Octavian fight to a draw. Caesar's assassins Brutus and Cassius in the first part of the Battle of Philippi, where Cassius commits suicide, believing the battle is lost. 382 A.D., Roman Emperor Theodosius I concludes a peace treaty with the Goths and Settled them in the Balkans. 1392, Muhammad VII becomes the 12th Sultan of the Emirate of Granada. 1574, the Siege of Leiden is lifted by the Watergusen. It's a name assumed by the Confederacy of Calvinist Dutch nobles, who from 1566 opposed Spanish rule in the Netherlands. The most successful group of these individuals operated at sea and were, were called the uh, water goosen or the water beggars. Uh, in the Eighty Years' War, the capture of Burrell by the water goosen in 1572 provided the first foothold on land for the rebels who would conquer the northern Netherlands and establish an independent Dutch Republic. You can consider them either privateers or pirates, depending on their motivation at that particular time. Well, privateers have some government sanction. Pirates generally do not. 1683, the Ming Dynasty naval commander Shi Lang receives the surrender of the Tung Ming Kingdom of Taiwan after the Battle of Pingu. 1712, the Duke of Montrose issues a warrant for the arrest of Rob Roy McGregor. For those who are not familiar with him, it was a Scottish outlaw who became a folk hero. Can't talk. A hero. Born in the Kingdom of Scotland at Glengyle at the head of Loch Catherine. It's recorded on the baptismal register of Buchanan and Sterling. The parents of the local clan McGregor taxman, Donald Glass McGregor and Margaret Campbell, descended from the clan MacDonald of Keppoch through his paternal grandmother. January 1693. Corey Arcolet Farm near Inversnide. He married Mary McGregor of Kamar, who was born in Laney Farm in Strathair. Had four sons. It's been argued that they also adopted a cousin named Duncan, but nobody really knows for sure. 1739, the Treaty of Nice is signed by the Ottoman Empire and the Russians, ending the Russian-Turkish War. 1789, George Washington proclaims Thursday, November 26, 
Thanksgiving Day. 1792, a militia departs from the Spanish stronghold of Valdivia to quell the Luchi uprising in southern Chile. 1863, the last Thursday of November is declared Thanksgiving Day by President Abraham Lincoln. That was the official declaration, don't you know? 1873, Chief Kint Puash companions are hung for their part in the Modoc War of Northern California. 1912, Hmm. Somebody else just signed on to my system. Uh, let's see. 1912, U.S. forces defeat Nicaraguan rebels at the Battle of Coyotepe Hill. 1918, Tsar Boris III of Bulgaria cedes to the throne. 1919, Cincinnati Reds pitcher Adolfo Luque becomes the first Latin American player to here in the World Series. 1929, a king of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes is renamed to Yugoslavia as by King Alexander I. 1932, the Kingdom of Iraq gains independence from the UK. And they've been a thorn in the UK side ever since. 1935, Second Italian-Abyssinian War, Italy invaded Ethiopia. And had to have the Germans come bail them out because the natives on horseback with spears uh, was uh, giving the so-called modern Italian army fits. 1942, a German V-2 rocket reaches a record 46 nautical miles in altitude. 1943, World War II, German forces murdered 92 civilians in Lignades, Greece. 1946, an American overseas airline's Douglas DC-4 crashes near Ernest Harmon Air Base in uh, Stephenville, Newfoundland in Labrador, Canada. Uh, killed 39 people. 1949, WERD, the first black-owned radio station in the U.S., opened in Atlanta. 1951, Korean War, first battle of Marianne San pits Commonwealth troops against Communist Chinese troops. 1952, UK successfully tests a nuclear weapon in the Montebello Islands in Western Australia, becoming the world's third nuclear power. 1957, the California State Superior Court rules that the book Howl and Other Poems is not obscene. 1962, Project Mercury, U.S. astronaut Wally Shara, and then Sigma 7 is launched from Cape Canaveral for a Six-orbit flight. 1963, a violent coup in Honduras begins two decades of military rule. 1981, a hunger strike at the Mays Prison in Northern Ireland ends after seven months and ten deaths. 1985, the Space Shuttle Atlantis makes its maiden flight, carrying two DSCS-3 satellites on STS-51J. 1986, TASCC, a superconducting cyclotron at the Chalk River Laboratories in Canada, is officially opened. 1989, a coup in Panama City is suppressed and 11 participants are executed. 1990, the German Democratic Republic is abolished and becomes part of the Federal Republic of Germany. Events celebrate as German Unity Day. 1991, Nadine. Kojima is announced as a winner of the Nobel Prize in Literature. 1993. American attack against a warlord in Mogadishu fails. 18 U.S. soldiers and 350 Somalis die. 1995. O.J. Simpson murder case. O.J. Simpson's acquitted of the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman, but that didn't save him from a civil suit. Uh, 2008, the Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008 for the U.S. financial system is signed by President George W. Bush. 2009, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and Turkey join in the Turkic Council. 2013, at least 360 migrants are killed when their boat sinks near the Diana Island of 
Lampedusa. 2015, 42 people are killed and 33 go missing in the Kunduz hospital airstrike in Afghanistan. That, um... United States Air Force AC-130U gunship attacked the Kunduz Trauma Center, operated by Medicines Science Frontiers, or Doctors Without Borders, in the city of Kunduz, in the province of the same name in northern Afghanistan. Forty-two were killed, and over 30 were injured. Doctors Without Borders condemned the incident, calling it a deliberate breach of international humanitarian law and a war crime. And it also stated that all warring parties have been notified about the hospital and its operations well in advance. For its part, the U.S. initially said the airstrikers carried out to defend U.S. forces on the ground. Later, the U.S. commander in Afghanistan, General John Campbell, said the airstrikers requested by Afghan forces who had come under Taliban fire. He said the attack was a mistake and we never intentionally targeted a protected medical facility. He said the Airstrike was a U.S. decision made in the U.S. chain of command. The U.S. CENTCOM 15-6 report stated General Campbell's own lack of strategic guidance and dissemination of certain rules of engagement were major contributing factors that led to the command and control breakdown prior to the airstrike. In other words, they threw him under the bus. 2021. Eight people were killed in an airplane crash near Milan, Italy. 2022, Savante Pabbo was awarded a Nobel Prize in Physiology and or Medicine. Well, you know, it's interesting that um, I was reading something you know, anytime I hear about a disappearance, I uh, check into it. Oh, I know where it was. Just a momento. I know. I saw it earlier. Well. All right. Let's go there. You know, there's a quite a lot of um, stories about um, missing persons. Okay, there we go. You know, there's a uh, there's no rhyme to reason in many cases, and there's there's no age limit. Certainly, I uh, we're going to start out with a young lady by the name of Lynn Sadar Cahill. The uh, female, of course, uh, about four feet tall, about 55 pounds. Last seen on the afternoon of December 20th, 2021, at a playground in an apartment complex located in the vicinity of the 9400 block of Fredericksburg Road in San Antonio, Texas. She was wearing a black jacket, a red dress, and black shoes. Now, here's the the interesting thing 
We are some of the most sophisticated law enforcement agencies in the, in the world. And this young lady can vanish. And nobody has a clue. And uh, August of 1979, Carlotta Maria Sanchez and her cousin, Elsie Eldora Lucier, disappeared from Tahola, Washington, which is on the Quinault Nation uh, Indian Reservation. And since it's on the, one of the reservations, the FBI got involved. They uh, both of these young ladies um, vanished without a trace. She's five foot six, weighed 112 pounds, not very big at all. And the question becomes, what was the motivation for the kidnapping? Did they run away? If so, surely somebody would have had some clue. And we're not talking about adults by any means. Uh, this young lady, when she disappeared, um, was, um, she was born in 1967, disappeared in 1979. So she was not she was 12. Now what 12 year old is going to plan to run away and disappear? Now Carlotta Maria Sanchez and her cousin both vanished completely off a reservation. Now, the next one is uh, Dulce Maria Alvarez. Bridgetown, New Jersey, one of the, a very uh, well-populated section of the country, disappeared uh, September 16th, 2019. She was about three feet tall, weighed about 70 pounds, uh, female, five years old. Last seen on the afternoon of September 16, 2019, playing at the Bridgeton City Park behind Bridgeton High School in Bridgeton, New Jersey. Last seen wearing a yellow shirt with a koala on the front, black and white pants with butterflies and flowers on them, wearing uh, white dress sandals. She didn't buy a bus ticket and leave. Somebody grabbed her. And the question becomes, who would have done it and why would they have done it? I mean, I've got just a few minutes searching brought up 110 missing persons. If I go into detail and do a thorough search, I could probably get 10 times that many. You know, every year in this country alone... 100,000 people vanish. Now, some are seeking poor man's divorce. Some are trying to get a new start. Um, some go jump off a bridge. But 7 out of 10 round the corner and never get to the other side of the corner. No rhyme, no reason. And those are the ones I find the most fascinating. Here's another one. Vanished uh, November 29, 2019. One year old. Now you know somebody kidnapped her. She didn't orchestrate her disappearance. 
Then from Columbus, Ohio, we've got Devin Sequoia Cooper. August 31st, 2021. Five foot five. Last seen wearing black lemonade braids, a black and white summer dress, black and white uh, baby fat sandals. Um, now, one reason this gets a lot of publicity is Devin Sequoia Cooper is a transgender woman. Last seen leaving her residence in the south side of Columbus, Ohio, about 11.30 in the evening, to go to the corner store. Never returned. She was driving a, her black 2009 Ford Fusion, which was later found on the west side of Columbus. Reported missing to the Columbus Division of the Police, September 1st, 2021. Now, the theory is she was a victim of foul play. And, you know, statistically, most victims of foul play have some relationship to their killer. In those cases, if there are any easy investigations, are somewhat easy, but when there's no rhyme or reason, somebody selected it random, didn't like her looks, wanted something out of her car, those are very, very difficult. We got Brandon Lee Wade, October 14, 2002, from Valdosta, Georgia. The FBI is involved. Valdosta Police Department. He and his mother, Paula Ann Wade, reported missing October 14th after Paula failed to report to work at Sam's Club in Valdosta. Parallel kidnapping or something a little more, um, shall we say, um, concerning. Now, Paula Ann Wade has a birthmark on every part of one of her legs. Her top canine teeth protrude in front of her other top teeth. And she may be wearing glasses or contacts. Uses an inhaler for asthma. But again, are we talking parental kidnapping? There's no rational reason for her to... Um, kidnapped her own child. We don't know what was going on in her personal life. When people vanish, there is um, certainly a, um, a rational explanation. And if you go look on uh, the internet, you will find uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, missing persons. Now, when you start delving into missing persons, you get some very bizarre stories. And there's a number of search engines dedicated just to giving information about missing persons. And across the southwest, I know of many cases where bodies have been found that can't be identified. Nobody has a clue who they are. And those are the, those are the different ones. Let's see.
and this is not a a uh, new phenomena. Oh no! One of the most fascinating cases involves D.B. Cooper. He was a man who got on a Northwest Orient Airlines flight, which is a Boeing 727, on November 24, 1971. Very personable individual. And uh, sat down and got a drink from the stewardess. And after a few minutes, called over and said, Look, I have a bomb. And I want... $200,000 in cash and two parachutes or I'm going to blow this plane up. The um, it was almost 50 years ago it was a Seattle bound flight he got his money let all the passengers go except the crew and the stewardesses uh, he was described as being very polite and uh, in route. See, that particular plane had a ramp at the back that could be dropped, like a back door to the plane. And he put on his parachute and strapped a 200000 to him and he jumped. Never been seen again. I bought a one-way plane ticket on flight 305 at an airport counter in Portland, Oregon. Wearing a suit and tie. Didn't appear to arouse any suspicion. Got a bourbon and soda. Shortly after the plane was in the air, gave one of the flight attendants a note, said he had a bomb in his briefcase. One of parachutes and $200,000 and $20 bills. He got that once the 36 other passengers were freed when the flight landed in Seattle. Then he ordered them to fly to Mexico City. And uh, en route, he jumped. Now, the FBI doesn't believe Cooper survived, but that's never been confirmed. He didn't appear to be an expert skydiver since he made the jump at more than 5,000 feet in risky conditions. And he wasn't dressed suitably for a safe landing. And he landed in a wooded area at night while it was raining with 200 mile per hour winds tearing and he's wearing loafers and a trench coat. Now, some of the money has been found uh, laying on the ground. 2016, the FBI announced it wouldn't continue to actively investigate this case, but it was one of the longest, most exhaustive U.S. investigations of all time. Now, another... Um, well-known disappearance was uh, Jimmy Hoffa. He was a notorious labor leader, vanished in 1975, triggered one of the FBI's longest-running organized crime cases in Detroit. And for decades, his disappearance has sparked widespread public interest and has been the subject of many Hollywood films. Forty years later, he was still missing. And the case, of course, had cooled. And this is now almost half a century since he disappeared. He was next convict, most famous for leading the Teamsters Union, which represents freight drivers and warehouse employees and other U.S. workers, and got clemency from President Nixon. 1971, the former commander-in-chief commuted Hoffa's 13-year prison sentence, which resulted in him being sprung from federal penitentiary in Pennsylvania. He was serving time for jury tampering and fraud. He was free for about four years before he vanished from a Michigan restaurant. He'd reportedly gone there to meet with mafia leaders. He was making a comeback, trying to run the Teamsters again. You know, the Teamsters Pension Fund had funded a lot of, uh, shall we say, shady um, operations. I knew somebody who um, had an end with the Pension Fund. 
Uh, in fact, they bought him a Porsche. And which I thought was a rather interesting Christmas gift. Many speculators believe that he was murdered, pointing to his criminal record and likelihood he had enemies. Um, and there was a Netflix film called The Irishman, which uh, discussed the possibility of a mob hitman being involved in Hoffa's death. Now, Hoffa was officially declared dead in 1982, which allowed his children to inherit his estate, but his body's never been found. And according to an FBI spokeswoman, his case is still an open investigation. Now, I took him some cases that, and I gave him the evidence that a, a blind man could have carried him out. He couldn't be bothered. I mean, they've reduced their um, profile almost to the level of the Keystone Cops. Now, federal investigators still searching for his remains as recent as 2013 when they excavated a field near Detroit for three days. Didn't find anything. Now, another unsolved disappearance was Amelia Earhart. Almost a century after she vanished while trying to fly around the world, historians and explorers are still trying to solve the mystery of the vanishing female pilot. She'd already broken barriers as the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic when she and navigator Fred Noonan embarked on what they hoped to be the first around-the-world flight in 1937. They set off for a remote island in the Pacific called Howland Island from Leigh, New Guinea. Traveling more than 22,000 miles and completing nearly two-thirds of the historic trip before they Ran low on fuel. Disappeared somewhere over the Pacific Ocean, July 2nd, 1937. Rescuers looked for the pair for about two weeks, but no sign of them were ever found. Um, 1939, despite a lack of major breaks in the case, she was officially declared dead by court order. The uh, She was legally declared dead so her husband could remarry. When you are prominent, you donate to the right uh, pocket, so to speak. You can get many things done. Well, how about Lauren Spire, Indiana University student, vanished 2011. And it caused shockwaves across a lot of college campuses in America. Authorities said the 20-year-old vanished after spending the morning partying at a downtown bar in Bloomington, Indiana. Last seen walking alone outside a classmate's off-campus apartment about 4.30 in the morning, June 3, 2011. Sparked a national manhunt, prompting several celebrities, including comedian Stephen Colbert and reality star Kim Kardashian, to spread awareness about young women disappearing on social media. But... Over 10 years later, investigators have still been unable to locate her. A lot of tips have led to dead ends. According to private investigator Michael Saravaldo, who was hired by Spire's family in 2011, it's a difficult case from every angle. Everything that could make it tougher has popped up in front of them, they said. Among the many roadblocks he and his team faced was a lack of cooperation from the local police department, a group of young men who's Spire spent most of her time with the day she disappeared. According to the private detective, uh, investigators still following up on major leads as they surface, but they haven't seen any progress. At this point, he said there's no signs indicating she's still alive, but the brief prognosis doesn't change how much he and Spire's parents want to know the truth about what happened to her. He said, I'm not going to give up. I feel like I'm looking for a family member. It's become very, very personal, he said. And close to his heart. He wish you could give him closure. Well, meanwhile, her parents, yearning for their daughter, who they said loved to play the lacrosse and celebrate Valentine's Day. It would have been her 28th birthday this gen. Um, her mother, Charlene, penned a message to her daughter on Facebook, which she does every year on the same day. 
the um, fascinating thing. is you wind up with situations like this and you have absolutely no idea what happened to somebody who's a family member. And people disappear from the strangest places. I've got a case where a young lady vanished in the Vatican. Emmanuela Orlandi became one of the most famous missing persons in the world. It was a hot summer evening in June of 1983. 15-year-old Emmanuel Landy disappeared from Vatican City in central Rome after attending a routine music lesson. She was the daughter of a prominent Vatican employee, enjoyed the religious centers and idyllic gardens, and often ran into Pope John Paul II. Her brother Pietro recalled their city being more of a village inhabited by a close-knit group of about six families. Romanti's disappearance on June 22nd of that year launched decades of kaleidoscopic conspiracy theories, including the Italian mafia, Vatican Satanists, sex trafficking, even human sacrifice. Last day, anybody saw her, she called her sister after a music class telling a representative from Ivan Cosmetics. Well, I offered her a job. When she failed to get home the next day, her parents called the teacher from her class and the police. Later that same day, her mysterious disappearance was declared a missing persons case. One witness initially reported seeing a girl matching Orlandi's description entering a green BMW near the music school the night of her disappearance. But even that lead led to nothing. Shortly after this little detail surfaced, Elandi's got a ominous phone call promising to return the girl to Vatican release Mehmet Ali Aga, Turkish national who was languishing in prison for having attempted to assassinate the Pope two years before. Well, when that was followed up, it proved baseless as well. Since been suggested that the Rome-based crime syndicate Banda della Magliana kidnapped Orlandi to force the Vatican to pay him back for an outstanding loan. Girlfriend of the leader of that criminal organization, Enrico de Petis, that her claim de Petis told Orlandi was indeed kidnapped and then killed. Most hair-raising theories, however, claim that the Vatican, local police, and high-profile lawmakers kidnapped her and forced her into sexual servitude. At least that's what the Vatican's chief exorcist, Father Gabriel Arnoth believes. He was appointed by John Pope uh, II himself. He said, This is a crime with a sexual motive. Parties were organized with a Vatican gendarme acting as recruiter of the girls. Networking involved uh, diplomatic personnel from foreign embassy to the Holy See. He said, I believe Emanuela ended up as a victim of this circle. 2019. Promising tips suggested she'd been buried in a Vatican tomb. Well, even though a thorough search was conducted, this tip yielded nothing as well. Her family has organized demonstrations in recent years, hoping to spur a renewed investigation into her unsolved disappearance, but so far, nothing. How about, uh... Madeline McCann? most heavily reported missing person case in modern history. She vanished in 2007, and her disappearance continues to baffle investigators to this day. She was a three-year-old British girl who vanished while on vacation with a family in Portugal and is now considered the most heavily reported missing person case in modern history. 
Uh, the story of McCann's mysterious disappearance began on the night of May 3rd, 2007 at the resort in Praia de Luz, or the Beach of Light in Portugal. Kate and Jerry McCann left Madeline and her two twin siblings asleep in their rental apartment at the resort, which was on the ground floor, and went to have dinner with friends at a nearby tapas restaurant. When the adults returned two hours later at 10 p.m., they found their eldest child gone. Later on, the McCann's um, remembered how their daughter had asked him over breakfast that morning of her same day she disappeared. Why don't you come when my brother and I cried last night? The parents were letting them believe somebody uninvited may have been in their apartment. Yeah, maybe even more than once. One of the first promising suspects in McCann's missing person case was 33-year-old Robert Murat. British-Portuguese real estate consultant. Not only lived nearby, but a man matching his description was seen about 9.15 that night. Um, the same night of McCann's disappearance, Walker entered his home carrying a child. But after a cursory investigation, the Portuguese police cleared him when they found no evidence of his involvement with the children. Next, the McCann's themselves were added to the list of suspects. That routinely happens when police can't find a... a uh, the perpetrator, to go after the parents. Some investigators believe that Madeline McCann actually died in the Priya de Luz apartment. Her parents fabricated this narrative of child abduction in order to cover it up. Now, that theory might hold some water. Soon, in fact, the dogs that were brought to the scene seemed uh, curiously alert inside the apartment and around the McCann family car, but uh, once again, no body was found. Grieving parents were officially removed as suspects in 2008, and the missing person case uh, grew to become an unprecedented media phenomenon in the UK. Ever since a 2009 report found in the region of Portugal that McCann went missing was awash with pedophiles, many have suggested that the toddler was abducted by local sex traffickers. According to the report, there are 38 known sex offenders in the Algarve, and areas a magnet for pedophiles. In an ominous turn of events, former member of Parliament Sir Clement Frode, who had had a home nearby, knew the McCanns was later outed as a pedophile. Other claims that Hillary Clinton's campaign advisor John Podesta and his brother snatched the girl from her home to theory she simply walked off. Uh, McCann's mysterious disappearance has never been solved. Whether by accidental death, sex trafficking, or abduction, she remains one of the strangest missing person cases in modern history. Well, let's talk about the case of Jennifer Kiss. Vanished from her own home. Now, this is a young lady who had it all. Loving family, local boyfriend, loyal boyfriend, reliable job, very attractive. Uh, when she disappeared, January 23, 2006, her family knew that something horrible must have happened. There was some grainy footage of a person of interest in Kiss's abandoned car was later found. But her mysterious disappearance nevertheless continues to baffle investigators. Evening before that uh, January day, the 24-year-old Feridian returned home from work and talked with her family over the phone. Called her boyfriend, Robert Allen, about 10 and went to bed. Didn't text and calls to Kess when unreturned throughout the next day. Co-workers were surprised she didn't show up for work. At 11 a.m., her parents drove from Tampa to Orlando to check if she was home and Found her car missing, but everything appeared to be normal. Footage was retrieved from her apartment complex surveillance system. She had an unidentified person dropping off her car at noon on the day of her disappearance. Unfortunately, her distinguishing characteristics of the, the mysterious people were obscured by the apartment's gate. Journalists covering the case reported the mysterious figure was uh, probably the luckiest of person of interest ever. Following frustrating years, police have found Kess's abandoned Chevy Malibu, but not much else. Carr did leave a yield of latent print, which was deemed too minuscule to reveal any helpful information. Additionally, none of the valuable items in her car had been taken, which suggested her unsolved disappearance was not instigated by robbery. Authorities pivoted from a lack of evidence to the acquaintances and friends of Cassis who might know more. 
Her brother and boyfriend both investigated one of Cass's ex-boyfriends on their own, but he was quickly ruled out. Older work colleague interested in Cass was also cleared as a suspect. By this point, investigators had no more clues to follow. Her credit cards went unused and her cell phone was turned off. Cass, it seemed, had simply evaporated into thin air. It's now been over 15 years since she uh, vanished. Imagine waking up and your daughter's nowhere to be found, according to Orlando Police Detective Teresa Sprague. You can't reach her, you can't locate her. Police can't locate her. Hours turn into panic and days into your worst nightmare. She said, I can't imagine the nightmare the Cass family's been sleepwalking through. The, um... Somewhere is her body. Let's talk about Maura Murray, vanished on a remote road. Shortly after 7 p.m. on the night of February 9, 2004, the Grafton County Sheriff's Department in New Hampshire got reports of a car accident. First call told police that a black Saturn had been wedged against a snowbank in Woodsville, New Hampshire. Second call came a local school bus driver named Butch Atwood, who said a young woman was inside the car and appeared unharmed, but she was notably cold to the touch. Atwood also said the young woman had begged him not to call the police, and he said while well, he had obliged her at first, once he got home, he did report the, the incident. When police got to the scene, the woman was nowhere to be found, but they believed it was Maura Murray, a 21-year-old University of Massachusetts student who had recently gone missing. And later on, he did confirm it was her car. Her mysterious disappearance initially seemed clear-cut. Well, initially, Murray's... Um, Disappearance seemed rather clear-cut. They thought she got in a drunk driving accident, and uh, which could have resulted in her death in a nearby woods. But as the police continued to investigate, things got more convoluted. Last person to see Murray alive and well before uh, the um, school bus driver ran into her was her father. Two dined together the night before the black Saturn was found in the snow. He had a perfectly normal meal, according to her father. Then he lent Murray her car so uh, she could drive back to the campus in time for a party. Well, she crashed her car on the way home from the party at about 2.30 in the morning. When he, she called her father to explain the incident, he assured her she'd need to report the crash to the DMV the next day, but there's nothing to worry about. And she finally got home that night. Fred recalled how his daughter seemed perfectly fine, but the next day she was gone. Morning of February 9th, she contacted her professors and told them she was taking a week off due to a death in the family. And she packed up her dorm room, drove to an ATM in her own car, and went through $280, went to the DMV, and then she bought a large amount of alcohol. Called her own voicemail about 4.30 in the, in the afternoon. Now, now to the last pieces of evidence regarding Murray's whereabouts and activities. When the police found her car later that night, they also found printed directions to a condo complex in Burlington, Vermont, and phone records that showed she'd called one of the owners. And a note to her boyfriend detailing their relationship issues was then found in her cleared-out dorm room. Despite purported sightings of her over the years since, she's remained a missing person ever since. Well... Now, this next one I find incredibly baffling. Happened not too far from here. Terror Calico's unsolved disappearance. She's a rather attractive young lady. It was September 20th, 1988. Left her home in Valencia County, New Mexico for her daily bike ride. They were seen by her loved ones in the flesh again, but her mother does believe that she saw her daughter in a Polaroid the next year. In that picture, she was tied up, had a piece of tape over her mouth, and it was found 1,200 miles away from where she disappeared. 
As she headed out the door the morning of her disappearance, she jokingly told her mother, Patty Doyle, she'd better come find her. She didn't get home by noon. Young girl had a tennis date with her boyfriend at about 1230 and told her mother she was determined to be back by then. Well, noon came and went, and her mother drove up and down her usual uh, bike route to look for her, but didn't find her. Mother didn't call the police, but a subsequent search party didn't find any new clues. Pieces of her Walkman and cassette tape were found on her route, but police are convinced that those have been broken by uh, Tyra on purpose in order to lead police to her. Then her missing persons case went cold for the next nine months. Well, the police, as is their routine, began to question, uh, ask questions about her parents and home life, trying to find if there were reasons for her mysterious disappearance, such as abuse. All the police found were two distressed parents who loved their daughter dearly and wanted nothing more than for her to be found safely. According to her father, John, it was just so much she wanted to fit into a day. She was like a little machine. June 15, 1989, authorities found a Polaroid in a convenience store parking lot almost 1,500 miles away from where she disappeared. She had a teenage girl resembling Calico and a young boy both lying on sheets and a pillow tied up with duct tape over their mouths. Well, Calico's mother was certain it was her daughter. During the photograph, had the same scar on her thigh as Calico. And while the FBI, of course, being the Keystone cops they are, remained uh, skeptical, experts at Scotland Yard and the UK agreed with her mother's assessment. Well, the mysterious disappearance took another distressing turn when the Henley family came forward to claim that the young boy in the photo was their son. Likely, Henley's remains have been found in the Zuni Mountains in 1990. It's likely he died of hypothermia after wandering away from his family's campsite. Sheriff Rene Rivera of Valencia County suggested a rational explanation for the missing person case in 2008. He said he'd received information Calico was killed in a car accident while riding her bike. After being hit, Rivera said a teenage driver disposed of her body in fear. But of course, there had been no uh, arrest following this claim, and Calico's parents moved to Florida in an attempt to start their lives over. Never been any sign of terror Calico found. One well, on that note, we come to the end of the day show. We'll be back tomorrow, and once again, if you listen to Ken Hudnall on the Ken Hudnall Show, until then, have a truly great evening.